Hello, I'm Dan Mullins, and it's great to have your company. This is a podcast about El Camino de Santiago, or the way of St. James. It's winter here in Sydney, Australia. I've just started a new job, and I've been wearing a coat each day, a jacket. And I have a beautiful old jacket I bought maybe 15 years ago in London. It's pure wool. It's beautiful. It's a very classic cut. But I don't wear it very much, to be honest, because there's not much need for it in Sydney. But I was walking through the city during the week and I reached to my inside pocket to put my phone away and I saw the brand, St. James. (laughs) And I'm certain people were walking by me wondering what I was smiling about. And when you wander past St. James Railway Station in downtown Sydney, you can see shells mounted on the facade. And it's lovely to think the legacy of Christ's Apostle moves with us as we make our way on our daily journey. El Camino is a series of pilgrimages across Europe. There are many walks in Spain, Germany, France, Portugal, Italy and the UK. There is a pilgrimage for every difficulty, every level of fitness, every intention and devotion. The response to my last two Podcasts have been extraordinary. Elena Skversky and Natasha Murta. Elena's search for mysteries on the Camino really resonated with people all around the world. And people all around the world, I'm sure, resonated in her search for Camino mysteries. Natasha and her journey with her father made us all appreciate that we are all part of a family. A Camino family. I like to think of the Camino as a place for me to find focus. It lends a certain certainty. It's a kind of spiritual landing site. We land with hope and dreams. We land with a spirit of adventure, promise, a new beginning perhaps, possibility. What lures us to the anticipation? Perhaps the answer lies in the name on the inside of my favourite jacket, St. James, St. James the Greater. Well, who was he? St. James is patron saint of veterinarians, horse riders, furriers, tanners, pharmacists, the countries of Chile, Guatemala, Nicaragua and Spain. He's also the patron saint of labourers, pilgrims, of arthritis and rheumatism sufferers, blacksmiths, knights and soldiers, honest toilers. Indeed, James and his brother John were fishermen. Scholars believe that James made his way to Spain after Christ's death and resurrection. He preached Christianity and was martyred on his return to Jerusalem some 14 years or thereabouts after the Lord's death. Some scholars believe, in fact, that James' mother, Salome, was the sister of St. Mary, which would make James and John Christ's first cousins. James and John laid down their nets and became fishers of men. The story goes that James' body was found by a local hermit in the Galician Mountains in the 9th century, and the Spanish built a majestic cathedral to house his remains in Santiago de Compostela, St. James under a field of stars. 
I, I don't talk too much about myself on the podcast. There are perhaps some of you who think I talk too much about myself. <laughs> but I wanted to touch on my experience this week before I get to this week's guest. Someone wrote to me to say, you keep doing the podcast and it's a great tonic for the dreadful things going on in the world. And I wrote to another pilgrim who has been writing to me lately and said, we know we are capable of challenging ourselves, but when it comes as a full-faced gale force wind that you're sailing into, well, it's a whole different world, but I'll sail on. My correspondent has been struggling with lockdown, but has started exploring the other side of their brain, the side you sometimes are frightened of. And I wrote, I'm pleased you are finding the energy to do a few things for you. I think we all focus too much on doing those things expected of us, directed at us and thrown at us. But on the other hand, once we step back and take the time to look at things as they are, we can see and appreciate we're only here for a short time. Make the most of it. The energy won't always be there because it will come and go. Cherish while you can. I love hearing from people who are connecting with their creative selves. And I know so many people who are strumming the guitar again, painting again, even doing yoga and meditating again. Isn't it great to think that there's a silver lining to the storm clouds on the horizon? God didn't put breath in our lungs to be idle. He or she wants us to explore the world and ourselves. I love Cahil Gibran's The Prophet. He says, All your hours are wings that beat through space from self to self. I haven't walked a Camino since I arrived in Santiago de Compostela in October 2017. But I guess in those few years I've travelled many journeys. Life is busy, but beautiful. Spirit guides us, and we must listen. I'm trying. My trusty desk calendar served me a gem of a quote this morning, perfectly in sync with the legacy of St. James the Greater. Robert Louis Stevenson said, Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. That's perfect. <laughs> well, my guest this week wrote to me a while back to say he lives in Spain, has walked the Camino many times, and I like the cut of his cloth. Jake Loans, welcome, Pilgrim. Thank you. Good morning, then. Tell us a little bit about yourself, because you're on the line from Santiago de Compostela. Yeah, I'm, um, yeah I live here for about a year now. Um, I, yeah, I love, love Caminas. I kind of started walking them about seven years ago. And yeah, I just fell in love along the way and with, with Galicia in particular. And um, yeah, I just, just decided to, to hang out here longer. So how did so, the yeah, Camino so come into your life? I was, uh, I was on holiday in France actually at the time. Um, yeah, I was 19 at the time. And um, I had originally planned to go to Granada. There's a, um, 
there's a little hippie community down there where my uh, my cousins were born there and my auntie kind of built a house there. So I I'd originally kind of wanted to go out there. And then just in the last minute, somebody told me about the Camino and said, oh, you might you might be interested in that as well. So I thought I'd um, connect with the Camino and walk walk over the Pyrenees and then and then head south when I got to Pamplona. But um, yeah, just loved it and kept going. And yeah. And now it's a big part of your life. Where is home? Where are yeah. you from originally? Uh, I was born in Wales in the UK and I kind of grew up in, in Brighton in South England. Right. And so, mm. and so, when you you say that you were headed to a hippie commune, you were sort of were you searching for something, Jake? Were you looking for something? Was was you, not really? Uh, for for me, I think it was just more about having having a month in South Spain and hanging out. Really, like I mean, I, I'd spent quite a lot of time there when I was a child. I had some family who grew up there, so I was I was quite interested to see it as an adult. But. Um, yeah, just got distracted by the way and the people on the Camino and the experience from that. Yeah, how wonderful. Why do you think the Camino then has become so important in your life? Yeah, it's, it's hard to put an answer on it, really. I think for me, it's, it's nothing really. I haven't experienced anything else in the world quite like it. Um, for, for me, the, the, the main thing I love about it is, is the people. It just brings in, you know, people from all around the world, and it's a really huge mixture. You know, it's so diverse. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, you, you, you said just before that you live in Santiago, and mm. you, you now base yourself there, and you have, you wrote to me to say, a small sea salt business. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Tell us about a small sea salt business. It's not easy to say. Tell us about your business. <laughs> yeah, it's called um, Camino de Santiago. Um, we, yeah, I make sea salt from the waters in Finisterre. Um, yeah, that's that's about it, really. It's a pretty simple process. But so, sea salt is, is gorgeous. And, yes, yeah. of course sea salt is is gorgeous, but Camino de Santiago, I love it. <laughs> so how did it, how did all that come about? How did you come to be making yeah. or what do you do? Do you collect? Do you mine? Do you source? Do you, you don't grow? What do you do? Do you collect salt? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I call it harvesting. Okay, um, you harvest, right. I don't right. really know what the word for it is, but uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, there's a few ways of doing it, but I mean, you're essentially taking seawater and evaporating it and, you know, being left with salt. Um, there's a few ways of, it took me a couple of months to kind of get the recipes right and get the technique right, but you know, but now, you know, once you've kind of figured it out, you can get some really nice flakes and it's super clear. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty simple at the moment. I'm renting a kitchen in a friend's um, albergue just, just outside of Santiago. So obviously they're, they're still pretty quiet at the moment. So it's, you know, nice to have a big kitchen there to use. And are you wor- um, are you working every day harvesting salt? No, um, I normally do... About every three days I go out there at the moment. Um, I mean, the main the main work is just collecting the seawater, which is to you know it's just it's just man work. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, it's you know it's just it's heavy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a long it's a long process. Uh, I'm certain it is, it is a long process, but by the same token, I'm also sure that it's a very uh, rewarding process. Um, it is, it is, yeah. So through your experience, and I know it's not, you haven't been doing it for all that long, but you've you've mm. certainly been doing a, a very good job and, and doing quite well. What are some of the benefits or, if you like, unique qualities 
of salt that you find off the mm. northwest coast of northern Spain? Yeah, so the, the, it's one of the best oceans in the world for salt is the Atlantic um, to start. And Galicia is obviously famed for its sea, seafood. Um, and one of one of the reasons the seafood is so good is because the quality of the water is fantastic. Um, you also have where where you have these big, like beautiful, dramatic coastlines around Finisterre and the, the coast of the Morte. This the rocks kind of full of minerals as well, which kind of you know I think enriches the sea. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean I've got a little I've got a little device that tells you how much how much sea, how much salt is in your seawater. And like, I mean, I've used it in England as well, and the difference is phenomenal. It's super, super salty. Um, yeah, it's great. I know uh, I didn't walk to Finisterre or Mushia um, after my Camino, mm. Caminos, but I do know some fellows who did. And they said uh, that th- th- they walked, uh, dived into the water, and it was, th- it was so cleansing, so beautiful. Uh-huh. And I wonder, I know that, Water with a very high salt content can be—you can be very buoyant. Um, mm, you can, mm. yeah, you can feel very relaxed. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, people put people put salt in their baths, don't they, to make them feel more relaxed? Yeah, I, I actually use it as a face scrub as well. I mix it, I mix it with coffee and sort of rub it as like an exfoliating scrub, and that, and it works fantastic. With coffee. Mm. Yeah, with coffee as well. Yeah, it it is quite a dumb thing. It's um, does the grains kind of act as an exfoliant? So there you go. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic, <laughs> really. It is fantastic. No, I want well, to, I'm, I I'm, and I am. Yeah. It's funny you should say fantastic because I'm fascinated by salt, <laughs> and I want to talk about it a bit more later. But just before we get to that, I want to talk more about the Camino and your experience. Mm. Uh, do you, and you walk often, do you walk the most popular Caminos or do you go off track? Uh, a bit of both. I mean, I've done, I've done the French a couple of times. Uh, I mean, it was the first one I did, and cause, because I loved the, the social aspect of it, it's definitely one that I, that I like to come back to. Mm. Um I mean, in the busier months, I think it can be a little bit too much. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really enjoy the feeling of having to feel stressed looking for a place to stay or, you know, having to worry about booking. But um, I mean, the, the, the north for me, I think, is the, is the happy medium. It's not super busy, but it's, it's also the terrain is beautiful and it's a little bit, a little bit more challenging. Um, but you still got a good amount of people. And, yeah, for me, that one's perfect. You know, um, the Norte is uh, the coastline, and, yeah. and, and and so here you are. You're a salt. You're a salt man. You're talking about how. Why are you attracted to the ocean? What's going on here, Jake? What's happening? Um, well, I grew up in in Brighton, which is in South England, which which is on the coast as well. So my whole, you know, since I was about twelve, thirteen years old, it was always just you know, but the beach right there. I mean, it's still England, but it's still, a, you know, probably one of the nicer beaches in England. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me as well, like coming, moving here, I think cause Santiago is not, not far from the beach, but mm. it's far away enough that you, you're lacking that kind of ocean smell, which, which for me I really miss. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really realise because I've been so used to living next to a beach. And yeah, I think that's definitely a part of it. And I, I love swimming as well. I'd always been quite a water baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting, isn't it, how our surroundings shape our desire and, and our needs, and in turn the culture that we seek. Um, and 
salt is a big part of that. And I, again, I said I want to talk about that in a minute. But in the meantime, what's it like in Santiago in the wake of the coronavirus? Yeah, I mean, now we're pretty much back to normal. Um, Galicia wasn't really so badly hit compared to the other regions in Spain. So we were, I think we were one of the first two regions to, to pass the first few phases. So, I mean, for, a good, for about a month, couple of months now, it's been pretty normal. Um, pilgrims, uh, pilgrims are coming back now. I mean, I went for a little walk this morning and I've seen, yeah, probably about five pilgrims already. And it was really? only like a half an hour walk. Yeah. What was it like in Santiago when you were in absolute lockdown? Uh, super boring, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was it was like a good 40 days, I think, of complete lockdown, like only going to the shops. And now it's just, I mean, it was just horrible, really. Um, could you still buy a yeah. bottle? Of, could you still buy a bottle of wine? Oh yeah, you can go okay. to the yeah, put it in the supermarket. Yeah, oh, of yeah. course, yeah, 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 right, right. Um, yeah. But they were they were quite they were quite strict on it. I mean, where I was living during the lockdown, I've moved since, but there was there was one little supermarket that was only a few doors down, and you know they were really you couldn't go to a supermarket that was a bit further away. So the only walk I could do was like three doors down. Which for me, it was just, you know, I found myself kind of like jogging in my flat and <laughs> just, just kind of pacing yeah, around. Yeah. One of the things about Spain, and I know this because I have had friends who have left other parts of the world to travel to Spain for summer, mm. that summer is so important to the Spanish culture and the Spanish livelihood yeah. and, and you being in Santiago and indeed all of the Spanish would really have been looking forward to summer after a long uh, autumn and, and winter and then bang, it hit right, didn't it, just as summer was starting. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone kind of feels like this summer has been stolen a little bit. I think, you know, the world over, I'm sure, feels the same. But, um, yeah, especially here in Galicia, because I think the people, you know, you don't, it's not it's not the hottest region in Spain, so we're used to cold winters and rainy autumns. So to have all of that, you know, two two three months of summer spring taken away is quite it's quite a hit. You uh, said, mentioned earlier that you saw a handful of pilgrims this morning. Mm. Um, it's going to be quite a while before we get back to the numbers. That indeed, it may be years before mm. before we see the numbers get back to what was expected. Did you see? Before coronavirus hit, planning and anticipation of what was going to be a big year this year, and then next year the holy year. For, for next year, I think is going to be in, insane. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can look at grass for the last sort of thirty years, and every, every holy year there's a huge spike. Sometimes, sometimes almost double. I think two two thousand and eighteen. I think it was. I think it was about three hundred thousand people who came and collected uh, certificates. I mean, look, looking at past records on the holy years, it's, it's reasonable to accept another 150,000, I think, on top of that, plus all the cancellations from this year. Um, if, if anything, I'd, I'd be more worried about whether there's enough beds, because I'm assuming quite a few private albergues have gone bust during the coronavirus. Really? I would imagine so, yeah. In, Sa uh, in just in Santiago or or, or, or wider? Throughout, throughout, really? throughout. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I have a few friends who are in Albuquerque and they've all really struggled. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people are like looking to do something else with the Albuquerque, like during the winter to try and make up where they can, you know, like rent it out to families or as like a holiday home or something like that, some sort of retreat. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, and and as well next year, I don't know, maybe there'll still be some sort of reduced capacity laws going on. When do you think locals expect to see things get back to normal in Santiago? Are they expecting at least some... I know you're saying things are getting back to life and back to normal in Galicia now, but surely yeah. it's they were not expecting this year to be of anything of significance. It won't be until at least next year, will it? I, I would assume not. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm quite surprised already looking in the last few days. I think it seems to be around 150 people a day getting the certificates in the last week, which is, which is fairly high. I mean, obviously... You know, things we've just come out of the lockdown. Um, so I don't know. I think September could be fairly busy. And to be honest with you, yeah, like walk, walking around the last couple of days, it, I mean, it feels pretty normal. It's it's quiet, but it feels, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty much back to normal. There's some wonderful coffee shops and bars in Santiago that I love. Yeah. Uh, just mm. the best places ever. Just fantastic. Um, mm. So I can't wait to get back there. The thought that if I well, not if, but when I get back there, those places are not going to be there. It breaks my heart, to be honest, because some, yeah. of, some of them have been there for decades, haven't they? Sure, sure. Yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure what to expect. I think a lot of, a lot of friends here are quite worried about a second wave of, of COVID. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't really know about that, but it, I think it seems possible if, if people are coming in, in waves in September and August. You're only young. What do your family and friends make of this Camino pilgrimage you're on? Yeah, great. Um, yeah, my my dad came out actually in September. We walked to uh, Finisterre last year. Um, that was nice. It was him who actually told me about it in the first place. What, um, what did he tell you, do you remember? He just mentioned it. I don't think he really knew much about it, but he just knew it was a, a good way to get from Spain, from France to Spain, um, to get over the Pyrenees in a, you know, in a cheap, nice, fun way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think he'd always kind of wanted to walk it, but never really got around to it. And, yeah, he came out last year and we did a few days. It was ra- raining a lot, but, yeah, it was, it was good fun. Do you did your father tell you about the the legendary energy of the Camino, this supposed spiritual path that so many people talk about? Yeah, I think he probably did mention it. I've got you know, I've got quite young hippie parents, so I'm sure he probably touched upon that, yeah. And so what do you make of it now? Uh I, I love it. I mean, you know, everything about it. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a religious man as such, but, you know, there, for sure there's some sort of, you know, there's something that brings people back every year and there's something beautiful about it. Um, whether that's an external force or just, just people's just people's attitude towards it, I think, is enough. You know, that's um, interesting you should say that because, Jake, I know a great friend of mine said to me just the other day, um, mm. the one thing I miss most about the Camino is the people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's so true, isn't it? When you're meeting people from all around the world, and and you, it's, yeah. it's so much fun. It's great. Oh, it's fantastic, and there's no, you know, there's no worries about, you know, it's all ages, it's all different, you know, classes of people. Even it's it's completely, you know, there's no boundaries, and it's it's great. Yeah, no, I love it. Do you ever get <laughs> lost, perhaps even on purpose? 
<laughs> uh, I've definitely got lost a couple of times. Yeah, uh, like going backwards sometimes as well. Even if just you know, like from here, for example, I might every now and then like go back to Saudia <laughs> just for a couple of days walk, and it's yeah, yeah. Occasionally, I will get lost. <laughs> um, yeah, never, never too bad. Yeah. Now, I want to talk about salt because yeah. salt is essential for life. Yeah. And indeed, adventure for many of us is mm. essential for life too. Where do you think your spirit of adventure stems from? Um, I mean, for me, and I think some of my reasons for walking Caminos, I think it may be considered a little bit shallow, but I... I, I just love hiking. I love trekking. Uh, there's just a great joy in the movement for me. Um, and as I mentioned with people as well, but for me, it's just the, the feeling of walking through nature and, you know, climb, you know, even if there's little, little mountains to climb them and I just get such, such, such joy from it. How lovely. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just to really, to feel alive really. And I, I just love being in nature. Do you mingle in the pilgrim community in Santiago, Jake? Or now that you're a local, yeah. do you sort of keep your distance? Oh, no, no, no. Quite often, I mean, just yesterday, actually, I saw, um, saw a couple of pilgrims and they normally pull up and say hi. And, you know, it's quite nice to speak in English as well. Mm. Just, you know, get a nice break. And, um, yeah, I just have a beer. And, no, for sure, no, I quite often stop and chat to pilgrims. What do you make of the Spanish culture being from Brighton? Well, originally from mm. Wales. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think as Europeans, the, the culture difference isn't huge, but um, there's certainly a lot of little things. Uh, I mean, way of life is definitely more relaxed and easygoing. Um, kind of have to lose your your punctuality of that's quite ingrained within within English culture. Um, what do you mean? Well, for example, it's very common here. If, for example, if if you're meeting someone at three o'clock, it's it's very common for everyone to be half an hour late. For example, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, which for me is just I mean, I'm used to it now. And if anything, I find myself if I'm meeting you know British people, I find myself being late again now. But um, you know, yeah, I don't, don't really know why that's why 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 they do that. But it, yeah, <laughs> well, that's so true because. Um, of all the people I know who are Spanish say the same thing all the time, but they all say exactly the same thing, and that is, I don't know why it is. Yeah, yeah. But why? Why Why even ask the question, just let it be? Why do we have to be oh. sort of so stringent about what time? And I mean, that's why not be a bit more relaxed like the Spanish? How about that? Sure. My, my, my personal theory is that uh, they don't want to walk fast because it's too hot. You know, I find myself if I'm if I'm running a little bit late, I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I've got to walk fast. And by the time I get there, I'm, I'm covered in sweat, I'm smelling, and it's like, ah, oh, maybe maybe I should have just slowed down and walked a bit slower. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's great. <laughs> that's a very good theory. Would you encourage, if there are pilgrims listening now, would you encourage pilgrims who have arrived in Santiago to walk on to Mushia and Finisterre? Uh, Definitely. For me, actually, you know, funnily, actually, the first time I came to Santiago, for me, I found it actually quite disappointing. Um, kind of walked all this way and I didn't, I didn't like, I, I, you know, I'd only heard about pilgrimage like a couple of days before it started. So I didn't really, I didn't really know what we were walking to. I knew it was a city with a cathedral, but that was about it. Um, and, you know, I, and I said, I'm not religious, but I do, you know, I've always had quite a fascination with religion. I love, I think, you know, there's, there's real beauty to it. 
and of course, you know, old old you know cathedrals and churches, mm. you know, beautiful in an architectural type of way. But yeah, for me, when I first arrived, actually, I was quite disappointed. Um, but to then go on to finish Stella, that that for me was there was real clarity in that ending. You know, just the, the nature side of it was gorgeous, and the sunsets and the beaches. Um, yeah, so for sure I would. Yeah, and if you didn't have time, even take a bus to to finish Stella. I think that's just yeah. really worth it. I really do. Have you ever given any thought to the possibility that the end of the earth may contribute in some way to the salt you source? Mm. Well, is it because the Romans called it the end of the earth? No, I think they were the ones who thought it was, who thought it really was the end of the earth. And um, I mean, they were, were known for paying their wages in salt. No, yeah. that's, where, that's where the word comes from, that's salary. Um, so yeah, that's a funny little cute connection there as well. Yeah, sure. Um, and the pagans believed it was the end of the earth of, uh, as well. I think. Right, right. Yeah, I think there's something there. I mean, <laughs> I did have a little thought. Maybe it's slightly off-putting, but it's it's cool as well that the amount of pilgrims that would have swum in that water was then go on to make the salt. <laughs> I don't know if that's an appealing thought or not, but well, that was you won't believe that that was my next question. Right, right. That I, I wondered if you are mindful of the history when you're collecting the yeah, water, that sure, those thousands sure. of years of culture before you. Yeah, for sure. No, I love that. Yeah. And I, and I make sure to filter the water because I do have a little bit. So I remember, I'm like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many smelly feet have been in this water? No, I, I, I go quite close to the lighthouse when I, when I click the shot. I think um, when you're far away from the harbour, uh, where there's no boat fumes, and I think it's just a lot cleaner there, and there's not the fishermen don't really don't really come there. Yeah, so that was my next question. Where exactly do you harvest it, the water? Mm, so I, I took a tent there a few months ago, a couple of months ago, um, to kind of I just went and took a week out there and tried to find the best spot. And I experimented while I was there a little bit. I bought a little camping stove and did some sound evaporation. And yeah, I found a beautiful spot. Um, Kind of on the right-hand side of a lighthouse, it's quite difficult to get there, but it's it's really worth it. And once you're there, it's it's just perfect for collecting it. The water's super clear. Um, I've got a photo of it somewhere. It's just super clear, and you've got really nice sand. I think people don't really... I don't, I've never seen anyone else there. Um, it's a little bit of a hassle to track it back with the water, but, you know, for me, I quite enjoy it. I mean, you know, if I've got... I spend a day doing it, and it's, you know, I get someone to help me. It's quite fun. And are you doing it all year round or are you doing it just in the summer? Well, it, well it's quite a new thing now. It we're only a few months in, just before the quarantine we started. But, um, right. But, yeah, I don't see why it couldn't do all year round for sure. Yeah, yeah. right, okay. And, and, of course, salt has a considerable cultural importance the world over. You just mentioned that it was once currency. Are you sometimes surprised that you found yourself in, in in this unique trade. Yeah, oh, it was completely random. How yeah, did it ha- so how did it happen? Yeah, you know, it was it was really just random. Yeah, I'd kind of always been aware that you can you can take salt from seawater. I mean, obviously it's one of those things when I tell people, like, yeah, of course you can. But um you know, you never, I never really put two and two together. But I, I had heard about it when I was a kid and uh, kind of forgot about it. And then I just came across a video of it. Um, somebody, I think it was an Australian man, actually. Yeah, he was just making making his own sea salt from from um, 
from the water and I thought oh, that'd be a fun hobby because I, I I mean I, I love to cook that's just my sort of greatest passion in life so I thought oh, that'd be great to do from here the water is such good quality and then I thought yeah maybe there's a market for it as well I read somewhere that when a society goes from hunter-gatherer to agriculture, mm. it becomes interested in salt, okay? So once your diet becomes cereals and vegetables, you're not getting the sodium chloride you need. Right, right. So you add salt. Mm. So in many ways, it's about survival. And, of course, it was critical in being able to transport food in the old days and yeah, being sure. Australian, anything, any cured meat that arrived in Australia for decades and decades was cured in salt meat and other few foods were 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 cured in salt there's no shortage of salt water at finisterre you could potentially keep doing this for a long long time couldn't you oh for sure it's 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 infinite absolutely yeah Yeah. absolutely it is infinite yeah and i mean in theory a lot of it the salt would have come from around the world. I mean, the water, it's the same water on the earth, right? So, uh-huh. I mean, it's, most of it certainly would have travelled through, you know, at least through the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also as well, w- when you mention uh, in the olden days as well, I guess it's it's useful to get clean water as well, the desalination. Um, you take the salt, but you're also left with fresh water, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, of course. Of course. Mm. And so how are you packaging your product? How are you selling your product? What, what do you, what's the next step after you've created it? Yeah, at the moment, at the moment um, I mean, these, I mean these, since COVID, I've been unable. Before, I had these nice sort of paper packages that had a little seal on them, um, you know, and it's pretty simple. And I, I sell them with a, with a shell from Finistel. And the idea is you put the salt in the shell and that kind of goes on your table as like a little salt, salt pot. Um, oh, how fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Um, but at the moment, I'm struggling to get any more of the bags because they're, they're coming from abroad. And I think since COVID, they've been—I don't know—they keep delaying it. But but I've got little jars at the moment. Um, they are glass, and I'm a little bit worried about sending them abroad. But it seems it's fine so far. You know, um, I, I want to get a little existential on you here. Right? Mm. Now, I, I, when I begin talking to Jake at the start of the interview. It's, it's early morning in Spain there. It's, it's late in the afternoon here. So it's easy for me to get a bit existential, perhaps not so easy for you early in the morning. But, but salt is very important in religion too. In Judaism, salt seals a bargain, particularly the, the covenant with God. And in some middle American countries, salt cures a zombie which might be a handy, you might be a handy bloke to know one day. Wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. So is your salt salt to cook with or would you use it to finish a dish, as they say? Yeah, I use it mainly for cooking. You can, you can, I mean, you could use it for finishing. I also do do flavoured. So if you were going to use it as finishing, yeah, you could use the flavoured more for finishing salt. Um, if the... A lot of what's used for finishing salt is fleur de sal. So that's like the, um, sort of this finer, lighter salt. And it's quite hard to get that if you're not using natural evaporation. Uh, natural evaporation being where you're just using the sun to evaporate the water. Right. Um, which was my original plan, but it's just impossible in Galicia. Um, I mean, maybe you could get away with it for one month of the year, but, it, you know, it takes almost like two to three weeks to really get a good amount. Um, and you need consistent sun, sun, and ideally no rain, which is just not not 
not feasible here either. Too. Hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I use it every day for cooking. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, um, it's so funny. I, I'm a mad researcher. When I, mm. you know, and and when I heard from you, I thought oh, I, st- I started going off on these tangents, and I've written this yeah. massive script. I've got this like eight page script here in front of me. It's quite involved, no? <laughs> no, no, it is. It is because salt. The legend of salt is part of humanity too. We talk about the salt mm. of tears um, and tears of laughter. Um, there are traditions of throwing salt over your shoulder for good luck. There's a Russian sure. proverb, you yeah. know, bread and salt never quarrel. There's the, <laughs> the Swedish say the cure for anything is salt water, sweat, tears, or the sea, which I love. It's nice, mm. isn't it? And there's a Kurdish <laughs> proverb which may just relate to you, Jake. With fortune on your side, you can sow salt and harvest grass. And finally, there's a line from the Bible, Matthew 5, 5 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In other words, you and I are the salt of the earth. And that line, in actual fact, was delivered by Jesus at his Sermon on the Mount. And I think the Greek interpretation for losing its savour or saltiness is when somebody becomes foolish. All these interesting interpretations talking about salt, which I find absolutely fascinating. But I wanted to just ask you like a handful more questions. How much longer do you see the Camino and pilgrimage featuring in your life, Jake? Uh, I mean, forever, I think. I, I don't know how, how much longer I'd live in Santiago. I think, probably, I mean, at least two or three more years, I'm sure. Um, yeah, and we'll see after that. I mean, I haven't really got any concrete plans. Um, I'm still a student, so I do online uh, studying with a with a British university, um, which you know I'm able to do from here, which is great. And there's still a couple of years left on it, so I mean I'm sure I'll at least finish that. Um, I used to I used to work in an Albergue a couple of years ago as well, and I'm always quite tempted to to go back to that. Um, yeah, no, no, I'm I'm not sure. I think it'll always be in my life. I'm sure I'll come back every few years, even if I didn't live here to to walk or to visit. Or, how old know. How old are you now? I'm 26. Oh crap! You can do whatever the heck you want. 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the world's your oyster. Yeah. What do you tell people thinking of walking the Camino? Go for it. I think I think there's there's something for everyone for sure. Um, it doesn't really require too much planning as well. I think it's definitely a good idea to get some get some walking practice in. But um, you know, it's it's it is incredibly easy just just to get up and go. It's it's one of the only sort of long distance walking I think where you can really do that. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, pack for for weather and for your you know for your body needs and whatever. But but yeah, it's you know as as I'm sure you know, it's super. You know, there's I mean, there's arrows the whole way. Is you know accommodation pretty much like every every couple of miles. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. What if someone's listening and they're thinking of walking the Camino and they're listening to you thinking, that's it, I'm going to do it. What sh- what should they expect? 
Uh, well, it's you know I've got some friends coming out in September. I think we're going to just just a couple of friends from from school really, and we're going to walk to Finisterre, and uh, you know. One of them's like really, you know, looking at different websites and trying to plan it out, and the other one's just like, no, I don't want to see anything. I want it to be a complete surprise. <laughs> I think he's maybe kind of romanticised it a bit, and I do. You know, it, it is a long walk. Like there are, you know, there will be times when you, you know, you're hot and you're bothered and you've got blisters and you're kind of like, you know, I, I definitely have it, and I'm like, kind of have little moments of, why, why am I doing this again? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, there's, there's, there's myriad of things that you will gain from it it's you know i think people you know talk about sort of spiritual gains and for me what that really means is like personal reflection you know and spending time in nature um somebody i've heard i've heard somebody say if if you walk a thousand kilometers and you don't have the answers to what you're looking for then you're probably not going to find them it's kind of if there's you know i think for me it's just like the, the personal time is is really beautiful what a perfect place to finish our discussion, Jake. I've thor- thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. For my listeners, Jake sent me a message to say, Hi, Dan, um, I uh, have a salt business in Finisterre. I would love to be on your podcast. And I wouldn't normally conduct an interview based on a two-line message. But that's all you wrote to me. That was it. Yeah. And I, I've sat down here and written this big, long piece but I was intrigued to talk to you, and I'm so glad that I was intrigued um, because I love your enthusiasm for what you're doing. I love your enthusiasm for the Camino. I love your enthusiasm for life. Thanks for your time, your honesty, your sense of adventure. Buen Camino, my friend. Thank you, Dan. It's, it's, it's been an honor. I'm, I'm actually off to Sarajevo in a few hours on the bus to do uh, weekend walking, so I, I can send you some photos if you like and keep you updated on how many pilgrims are coming and yeah. that'd be fantastic buen camino cool thank you dan my guest this week was the british pilgrim jake loans who's now based in santiago de compostela he dropped me a note straight after the podcast and said if any pilgrim in santiago wants to catch up for a beer and a tour of the old town he's happy to meet you you can find him at CaminoDeSaltiago.com. Yes, CaminoDeSaltiago.com. I wonder, as you do, about the earth, the ocean, the sea, the salt, the life as we know it for millennia, the footsteps of pilgrims before us, their sweat, their tears, their walking to the ocean, the swell, the tide, the coming and going of our life and our love, our journey, our pilgrimage. Robert Louis Stevenson said, Don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. The perfect way to finish this week's podcast. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for having the courage to be a pilgrim. Thank you for having the courage to question and to answer. Hug those close to you. Love yourself, pilgrim, salt of the earth. I'll be back next week. Until then, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way, somewhere